Hello and welcome to another edition of Open All Hours. I'm hosting, which is a bit weird because we've got the exos here. In fact, I'll introduce him. He's been away for 18 months. We have missed him. Hopefully one day he'll be joining us when he has time. David Fraser, welcome, welcome back. Hi, Paul. It's nice to be back. This is like uh, knocking on your, going back to your childhood home, passing the front door, knocking on and hoping that they let you in and then having a look at what is inside and i've got to say i like what you've done with the place <laughs> oh thank you david it's been it hasn't been easy it's been a challenge and it'll always be a challenge to fill your big feet now i've got the tiny feet but i'll give it a right go also if i visited my childhood on the pre band me well you've already managed an introduction without having to re-record it which was better than me when i was hosting it so you <laughs> that's true it's already uh, improved Ah, oh, thank you, David. Stop up with the comments. You'll make me blush, and then I'll get embarrassed and have to cut it off and start abusing you, like the old days. <laughs> right. There's a our next guest is a man that covers more ground than Sam Field in the QPR world and circles. It is none <laughs> other than Law for Words, Clive Whittingham. Welcome back, Clive. It's been a long time. Again, you've been missed. Uh, well, I doubt that, but yeah, thank you and uh, hello. It's nice to see you again. And also, you're all on a pod after we've won. Hey. I thought it would be nice to come on while things aren't burning down, which, I mean, that was only like two weeks ago, wasn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, but... Um, yeah, and the QPR like, world is practically back to the Roman Empire two weeks. Ago. I know. I mean, I didn't expect, like, winning at Preston was completely, like, off the charts, unexpected. So, um, so yeah, it's nice to come on after a win. So, Manager's Burns doesn't have this. Charlie Wise is back, regular and always wonderful to have on. Charlie, welcome back, big man. Hopefully you're all right. Very well, thank you. Too kind. Yeah, it's nice to be back, see some familiar faces and QPR do well and we all come back in numbers. So, yeah, no, good to be back and look forward to, to unravelling what's been a good week for the club. It has been bad. No, Clive, you were at Preston and Saturday with a few brief souls that um, went up there. What did you think of his first team selection and the way he played? It was interesting. Um, I am expect- I'm expecting us to go back to a back three Um in reasonably short order because I think it gets our better players on the pitch and makes the most of the wing backs, solves a few of the defensive problems. Um that's the solution that Warburton came up to with to bad results. And I, I do think we'll go back to that again. We can talk maybe a bit about Rob Dickey not playing. Um, but I guess his first game, he's had one week of training, he was going to keep it fairly similar. The difference is, I mean, I thought we were terrific in the first half, to be honest. Um mm. I wasn't expecting anything from the game I'd watched. Well, I'd watched us the previous week, um, which was <laughs> we'd always lower expectations. The way we played against Burnley, I watched Preston the previous week, and they were absolutely brilliant at Blackburn. So I was thinking, going up there, we got no chance with this. I think they'd won four out of five, playing well. Uh, and I thought we were terrific first half. I thought we should have been at least a goal up, if not two, at half time. And the big difference between what's been going on before and what happened on Saturday was the three midfielders were getting up and beyond the strikers. I was going expecting to spend all afternoon watching Daniel Johnson do that for them, which he does really well. And our midfielders never do. You know, they don't they don't get mm. up and support Dykes. He's often flicking it onto nobody. We struggle for goals out of central midfield, and yet here we were with uh, with Tim Dazell who. Not a lot of people like, you know, I'm a bit juries out on him, but he played pretty well and was getting up and involved. And Sam Field in the penalty area having shots and all of this sort of witchcraft going on. So, um, so yeah, the big difference for me was how the midfielders piled on and influenced the game and, and posed goal threat and how much better Lyndon Dykes looks because of that, because he's actually got support to to flick it on too. I was a bit worried about Dizelle because um, I was... People may have seen Tim Sherwood thought he'd give away a penalty um, <laughs> while the Preston player was defending. Um, we could add Tim as a manager. I mean, I always say, I almost think that would have been worth it having Tim Sherwood as manager just so I could have interviewed him. I mean, mm. I, I mean as long as it had only lasted a sort of Paul Hart style five games, I mean, that would have been a meeting of of minds of sorts, wouldn't it? As thick as a submarine door. It's, it was. It was. It was. For anyone who's seen the footage, you can find it on Soccer Saturday, where he he thought that it was a Stonewall penalty, as the Preston player was fouled defending. There you go. Happy days. Um, shows you why he's uh, on Soccer Saturday, I guess. David, what have you thought of the new changes at QPR? And um, 
have you even had a th- time to take it all in, really, with the World Cup and everything else? Well, Burnley was about as unhappy as I have been watching QPR. And, mm. I mean, the result was the result, and obviously nothing was going to be, you know, terminal. But I have, <laughs> when I say the unhappiest, some of the unhappiest I've been watching QPR, I was at Huddersfield away in 2001 when we went down to League Two. But the combination of, I am exaggerating, it wasn't quite as bad as that, but the combination of, I mean, the weather was just Mm -hmm. got you in your bones, didn't it? The fact that we had no direction as far as the manager, I gather in retrospect that Critchley was about to be appointed. But I think, I don't know, sometimes managers don't, you know, they wait for whatever reason. Plus the performance, the players were sort of seemed undercooked to me and it was just miserable wasn't it? We it got absolutely pumped. So then I, I wasn't at Preston, obviously. I had a prior arrangement with um, Dick Whittington in Potter's Bar on Saturday afternoon, I'm afraid. But I gather... Not a lot of people can say that. Not a lot of people can say that. Uh, if I Somebody told me after the game that apparently our game on Saturday was on the red button because the Premier League wasn't back. Is that true? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I found that out two hours too late, unfortunately. That's where I watched it. Yeah, but from everything that I saw and read and I've read Clive's report and everything else, it was kind of just a massive about turn, wasn't it? And and mm. I don't want to like attach too much significance to these things. But clearly that's leadership, right? And that's the manager and that's this guy coming in. And we were rudderless that Burnley game, weren't we? And Paul Hall is by all accounts a very good coach, but everybody knew that he was just going to be transitional. And so perhaps, I don't know, Clive was there, I wasn't, but that person being in place feels like that was the difference because there was leadership and there was shape and there was the desire from the players to do well. And from all the highlights I've seen and everything I've seen, it just looks really good. Things are starting maybe to come back. You know, Laird, I think, put in a good performance. It was really nice to see him on the wing and putting him in. Powell always been has been brilliant from us from day one. Um, so it's nice to see. Maybe I'll come on to. I know Charlie hasn't given his thoughts yet. I'll probably come on to. Uh, we're definitely not over Beal yet, right? We can still talk about that for a good six months. Yeah, yeah. We, I'll we do still, that later. We still talk about later. Paul Hart, and he wasn't here for five games, as Clive yeah. just proved. So we we could talk about the snake Bill for as long as you want. I'll do that later. By the way, just before Charlie speaks, what an honour it is for me to be with the three wise men of QPR fan content tonight. I can't, I can't believe it. We've got the QBR podcast, we've got Loft for Words, and um, we've got Charlie as well. So we've got Talking Rangers. It's it's like, who, who you know, I'm amongst QPR royalty. I'll shut up now. I, I don't think you are. I thought you were having to play on words with Charlie's name there, and I thought that was rather good. That'll teach me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Charlie, crack on. Um, yeah, David, you kind of touched on some of a couple of things I wanted to, to kind of come on to. I think you've always got this period where a new manager comes in and I think at, at any level, whoever the manager is, you're always going to get some form of, of bounce back where players are fighting for their spaces again. Things are up for grabs. They've got to you know, earn their right in the side. It's, it's a clean slate. And you kind of got to take the, the first game almost of a, with, you know, with, with rose tinted glasses in terms of the, the jury still being out um, in terms of where things are going. But I think one, again, David, you mentioned about Laird. I think he almost embodied for me kind of, the transition from what we saw potentially even the last couple of weeks before the Burnley game, oh sorry, well, obviously not the World Cup, but prior to the World Cup. And I think Laird, a man probably lacking of confidence, and I think very different to the Laird we saw at the start of the season. He made these these darting runs of real intent, got into good areas and and it was a real threat going forwards. And I think as the kind of season went on, I think he was a player that kind of his his performance has got a little lacklustre and he was absolutely tremendous. Um on 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 Sunday, um, you know, going forward, I think he posed a real threat. You saw a Doma at 35 getting in really good areas, proving to be a real threat again. I think we, you you kind of get it again coming with this transition and players fighting for their space again, as I mentioned. But yeah, there was real commitment, there was real desire, um, and what we haven't really seen for a long while. So I think it it was a it was a real nice change, especially away to Preston with the form that they've been in. I'm just wondering, Charlie, why you watched the game 24 hours later than everyone else. It was on Sunday, wasn't it? No, it was Saturday. Sorry. I'm getting muddled up with Burnley. I was away. I was watching it on my phone. So Christmas. Um, yeah. It's Christmas. Everybody, everybody muddles the day up. Yeah, Christmas. what the... Yeah, no, no, no. no. Is, but... We have to... Don't forget, 
we get trolled if we don't get days and dates and results oh, correct, is, Charlie. Don't me? get us trolled for God's sake. One, one I want to come on to, though, is I think Dazelle, Clive mentioned at the start, mm. I think he's a really interesting individual in the side. I think, in my opinion, I, I think for a lot of people, it's, I think the fan base is quite quite split upon Dazelle. I'm kind of of the opinion that I actually think there's there's real potential in Dazelle. I think when you look last season, I actually looked up before the podcast, I was quite interested because I, I knew we'd kind of come on to it because... Um, I think he was talked about quite a lot after the game. He made 27 appearances last season. He's already made 21. He's just six off what he made last year. Um, and I think that I think there is real, there's been glimpses of the Zell, I think, this season of, of what the player he can be. Um, it's just sometimes I think he he kind of comes in and out of games at points. And I think he's 23 now. And I think he really needs to start kind of kicking on and getting to that level um, if he is going to make it in the championship. But interesting to see what Critchley makes of him um, and whether he, he really can nail down the spot. Because I am of the opinion that um, I think he has got the potential to to kind of get into that side and be a regular starter. But what do you guys what do you guys make of this? I want, I want him to move beyond the ball. He mm. plays really nice pass. Often one of the few midfielders that we've got that can play between the lines and get us up the pitch and play an accurate ball. Obviously, the Cardiff assist last year is the most sort of stark example of that, if you like. But then he just stands there, and the play goes on at the end of the at that end of the field. What I want to see, Jermaine Genus used to do that for us. He'd like play this pass and then just hang around in the background, like play the pass and then move beyond the ball and the player you've passed it to to go and be an option and get in the box and score the occasional goal. Because he's mm. never he's never going to be a midfielder that's going to like defend his box and kick people, is he? Because he's you know apart from. Saturday when he should have given that penalty away, obviously, but he, <laughs> he's, he could, but he could be, he could be a guy that arrives late in the penalty box and contributes six or seven goals a season when should be really for his ability. And we need him to be, because you can't just stand there and go, well, that was a nice pass, wasn't it? But, which I think he is, he is a little bit prone to doing, but on Saturday he was getting up and around the box as, as all three midfielders were, and it made a big difference. I was surprised, Clive, because when he got the early booking, um, I thought, here we go again, he's going to get hooked at half-time and he, he can be risky. But I sometimes wonder if he's trying to over-impress rather than focus on his game because he's got ability, he's got that lovely reverse pass in him that he does a lot of the time, but he just tends to just throw himself into challenges sometimes and, and maybe get himself over-enthusiastically involved in things. There's a player there, now whether it's one a player that can come out, but if you think about it, I mean, it, this is already... He's under his third manager in a short time at QPR as well. So hopefully Critchley can be the person that comes in, sorts him out and gets him going because we need everyone in this squad to... Because we're not going to be spending, I think, in January. Um, So we need to carry on with the squad that we have and and try and keep as high in the table as we can do. But I think he's a good player. I think there's ability there. I think QPR fans were split on Eze and that never... That always baffled me, to be honest with you. I'm not comparing the two, by the way. I'm just saying... There's people behind me who thought Ezzy was very lazy until he got transferred for nearly 20 million. And they probably still think he's lazy. What's your thoughts, David? Well, it's interesting that you think that you say, look, there is a player there. And we all think there is a player there that we haven't quite seen yet. And a bit of pop psychology, I suppose, and maybe I'm overanalyzing, but there might be some kind of albatross that's been round hit this guy's neck. Because what no one talks about, it could not have been easy for him coming through the ranks at Ipswich with Jason Dazelle as your dad. And for those who are basically not really old, Jason Dazelle is one of Ipswich's finest ever players, played for Tottenham as well, and was a living legend. And I kind of look, I wonder, you know, if that hampered him a bit, if he had to get away from Ipswich, and whether now that process of finding himself and what sort of footballer he's going to be, is coming late and he's sort of having to develop late. So I'm sort of on the same page as you, but I just wonder if that is making his sort of development into the player that we want him to be, maybe a season or two later than everyone else, because it could not have been easy, him being Andre Dozel at Ipswich. No, unless, of course, he was at Norwich, in which case it would be a whole different ballgame. But I agree. And maybe that's why he left when he did, David. That's That's a very good point, actually. And he's still trying to find his own identity without being compared to his dad. Could be. You know, it can't, can't be. I'll tell you who did play well, Charlie. 
um, was back to his old self. Don't you thought, Clive, when I watched it? I thought Phil was outstanding. I thought Dunn was outstanding, especially after the week Dunn had last week when it all went a wee bit personally for him. And I just think we just, the shit history we did on, on them was absolutely outstanding because they moaned about it. And on their commentary, which you, you can get on, on some streams if you try hard enough, they were absolutely having kittens about what we were doing, how we were doing it. And honestly, the irony was just ridiculous. You know, that's what you've got to do, surely, is the way team. And that's what we weren't doing enough of. Well, I, uh, I, it's beautiful that we were doing it to Preston because they've been the kings yeah. over the years of doing it to us. So it was nice. It was nice to, to do it back to them. Uh, they are right. I mean, it, it was ridiculous, some of the stuff we were getting up to. And I, I know it was in our favour this week, but we'll be losing the plot over it in future weeks. I thought it was a shame to come out of the World Cup where they had been adding the time on correctly and it had sort of killed time-wasting stone dead once players realised, well, you're going to end up with 17 minutes added while you're defending a lead. You don't want that. That basically killed it in the World Cup. And then we've come straight out of that back into the Championship where we behaved like that in the second half on Saturday and the referee added five minutes at the end, which was... Pathetic, really. I mean, it worked for us this week, but we'll be losing the plot about it in future weeks. I am reasonably happy with it this week, though, because it, it was against Preston. Um, what, can I ask what is going on or what people think is going on with um, Rob Dickey? Mm. And you are, you are, as we've established, the three wise men of QPR fan content, as I'm now going to call you, trademark. Why is he? What what is going on? He's gone from being number one, or I don't know, number two or three name on the team sheet to under successive coaches, albeit in a short space of time, not on it at all. But I I don't know why. I think he'll be back in 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 reasonably short order. He really doesn't look very happy, you know, when you see him and him warming up. I mean, not amateur body language expert and all of that. I think he'll be back in reasonably soon. Previous manager switched to a four and obviously loved Jake Clark Salter to death and Balligan's his man, isn't it? So he was always going to drop out. Beal wasn't having Jimmy done at all, but he's got back in and apart from the Burnley game, done all right, played pretty well and was good. So Dickie's now going to have to do what Dunn did and just work hard for his place back in the team. I do think we'll go to a back three eventually. And I, I said at the time, I know Balligan came in and played well to start with. Um, and we kept some clean sheets and maybe he'll come back in and we'll keep clean sheets again. But I think QPR are getting better, but sometimes they just do stupid things that melt my head. And I think letting a manager spend what little budget you've got, bringing a 34-year-old mate in off a free transfer from Glasgow Rangers to play in front of one of Dickie or Dunn, who are your sellable assets in the team, I just just mind-blowingly stupid. And I know he started well and I know we kept a clean sheet and Millwall and everybody was like... Here's the experienced player that we've needed and, you know, we won't concede off set pieces anymore. But then lo and behold, sort of four or five weeks later, playing a 34-year-old every week in the championship, he was making mistakes dreadful against Huddersfield. So I think Dickie will get back in. I I wasn't keen on the Balogun signing and it has had the effect I thought it would in that Dunn's been out of the team and miserable for a period of, team, for a period of time and now the same with Dickie, which isn't, which isn't ideal. I think they'll go back to the back three in reasonably short order and Dickie will get back in. Charlie? I'm in agreement. Yeah, I think it's almost one where I think for this, you you can't read in between the lines a little bit. I think it is as simple as Clive said. I think you've got Beal that, you know, swears by Jake Clark Salter and, and as Clive rightly put, brought in is is almost his bum chum in Balogun in. And it was always going to be those two when fit that, that would play. And it was always going to be fought out between Dunn and Dickie. And I think we've seen that at points this season where one's come in and, and not the other. So, for me, yeah, as simple as that. But uh, I can't skip on, Finney, without what I feel is a complete disrespectful comment that you mentioned just a couple of moments ago, where you mentioned that Sam Field got back to his best, implying that he'd not been very good of late. I think he's been our no, no, player of the season. No, I'm only hang kidding. Him, hang him, Charlie. Hang him, hang him. <laughs> I'm hang only kidding. I'm only no, kidding. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I just mean he, looks, he looked happier. He covered a lot more ground. And he wasn't losing his bap, as they say in Belfast, so many times. And I thought he just looked a lot more relaxed, calmer as he was before. Nothing against the way he's been playing. I wasn't because... too bad. How, how far are we into the podcast? 23 minutes and I mentioned the Belfast. That's not too bad for me. Oh, it's good. It's so good to be back. So good to be back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that still happens, David. Though. Yeah, yeah, I can, I, I can say. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm dumbfounded 
dumbfounded how you'd be so cruel. No, but it, it, it what just... um, what job do you do, Paul? Just um, apropos of nothing. What? Well, this week, funny enough, this week's been a bit different. I've been driving the van, David, in, all around Whetstone. I haven't really got out of Whetstone this week. I'm a little bit perplexed by that. Do you know not well, deliveries? Nothing wrong with Whetstone. Just whilst we're taking a break from talking about hardcore QPR matters, Paul, <laughs> can we just um, mark the fact that we both we sort of have a mutual friend, and that friend did who supports Spurs. And that friend gave us both a 15-question QPR quiz recently, separately. And I scored 14 out of 15, and you scored 13 out of 15. And yes. that is a shame that you can never live down, my friend. You're quite right, but it was because I was an arrogant prick. And I didn't hear Can't the multi-choice. No, seriously. <laughs> as soon as he said the questions, I gave him answers without hearing or listening. And I thought he said league appearances, and I went with Ian Gillard. Of course, it was Tony Ingham. It was an easy mistake. Oh, I was going to say, what was the question? Because I might, I might have got it wrong as well. But I, no, I was... it was no, no. I shouldn't have, listen. I shouldn't have got it wrong. It's it's embarrassing. It's like the old time QPR goal scoring questions. One of them things you should never, ever, ever get wrong, and I did. But I also spent ten minutes arguing over the first question. Was when we were reformed. I said it to be six. So that took a while. So, but he also said David argued over that as well, which is interesting. They, they, he's not a mutual friend; he's my daughter's boyfriend. Well, they, they, they can't be friends, David. I wasn't I mean, gonna. Like, I wasn't gonna throw your family under the bus on this. Podcast. And also, he works right. for David as well. So, but the trouble is, he's such a nice fella. It's like you know, when your daughter has a boyfriend, you're supposed to hear them. I find it very hard to hear him because he's such a nice fella, and he really looks after her, and she's hard work. So, well done to him. But yes, I live in complete shame that I got that wrong, and. But the one that you got wrong, I got right, which was the few from one. Right. Who made our kit? Yeah. Mm. So there you go. For everyone else who hasn't fallen asleep, that was David Twitter saying, ha ha, ABG bollocks. Um, yes. Uh, okay, I'll, not... I'll interject. I'll interject. What do we make of Chris <laughs> Willock? I think... <laughs> we get Thank, you. Thank you, Charlie. Few from to Chris Willock. We're all thinking it. We're all thinking well, it. I thought I'm not hosting, so I can't do that. So thank someone you, had to. Someone had yeah. to. Go, wait, go um, on, Charlie. I think that's it. that's it. What do you think, Chris Willock? Yeah, it's very strange. I think almost the demise is that a little bit hard. I think no, obviously I think the in, it almost like he's he's still got the hangover from that injury. He looks as though he, he's he's scared to you know to go in with anything with any intent almost scared to, to get to full speed he, he almost like he's hanging back and he had a, a of January. glorious yeah he's got to start again hasn't he yeah he's, he's got to build himself back up again you would have thought the world cup came at the worst time for his momentum probably the best time for his body because when there's a, a player coming back from injury get to do a little bit and then step back and like actually that probably was brilliant for his body but really bad for his momentum because I can't remember how many games he had before the break, but it was, what, three or four, something like that? Yeah. He's probably not... He's then had to start that again. So you, I, I feel like jury is out. You you can't... You've got to wait a bit. You've got to wait a bit. But by all accounts, he was sort of getting there a bit more on Saturday. Is that right? A bit better Saturday. Missed the chance that you would expect him to take. Um, a, little bit, a little bit better on Saturday. Could hardly have been worse than he was against Burnley, um, although nobody could. And I will make another point about that, a, a slightly cynical point in a, in a while. Uh, hamstring injury is a nightmare. Like everyone that's ever had one says that you, you they tell you you're fit and you start back, but you haven't got the confidence in it and you're always mm. just waiting for it to go again. He's had two this year. Um, so the, there's that. There is the question mark about January. His contract is 18 months off the end. I don't think there's there's much chance of him signing a new one here. And we do need to get some money coming in for players in reasonably short order. So that's a potential thing, but not, not something I've heard. That's just like a theory that you might have. One thing that we we do know is because Nick Beal told us is that he he rushed, he did, was guilty of rushing players back from injury. He was very impatient with the injury situation he inherited here. And how long, how many players were out, and how long it was taking them to come back. And when we beat mm. Middlesbrough, when we beat Middlesbrough at home in August, he picked Willock and Amos and a couple of others who'd been out for a long period of time, 
and then left them on the pitch longer than he'd been told to leave them on to get the 3-2 win against Middlesbrough to, as he said to us, um, get this thing going or get this thing moving. The result of that is Amos didn't play again for at least six weeks and really hasn't ever been fit since. And Willock missed the next three games after that and then broke down at Sheffield United. So, you know, Magic Mick or he who shall not speak his name was a little bit guilty of rushing the players back. I don't think Willock's been fit. He didn't look fit in the pre-World Cup games to me. I think we could call them snaky bollocks. <laughs> Boily Beal. Or is that oh, is that too cruel? Sorry if you've got a boil. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Jimmy um, Clarkson, take a rest. Why uh, was did your beer? So um, just do you know it just came out? I don't know like where I do apologize. Oh, so like, getting trolled again. Are we doing, are we doing Mick Beal? Are we doing Mick Beal? Yeah, I, of course I can sit and do that all night if you want. I'll tell you the sort of person he is. He's the sort of person that is called Michael Beale and talks to the PR team and says, can you please make sure I'm addressed as Mick, not Michael Beale? Because they didn't just make that decision, did they? They He was rebranded or the QPR <laughs> output re- tried their best to rebrand him. Now, Paul Morrissey didn't just make that decision. No one just randomly <laughs> decided. That is somebody who's so concerned with how they're coming across, he's really pushing to sort of rebrand himself to Mick Beale. There speaks the head of a PR company. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, Um, you could be right, but why? I mean, from from the bog standard point of view of my wee tiny brain, it makes no difference to people like me, but yeah, you could well be right. Anybody that's particularly precious... I shouldn't say this because people get very sensitive about what they are called, but you can't often control what someone calls you, right? If I'm called Dave, whether I like it or not. But people that are very, very, very protective over that, particularly like just these sort of little nicknames, I don't know. There's 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 a whole image manipulation thing going on there. Anyway, that's very boring for people. What um how do you how do you all reflect on it now, a couple of weeks later, especially with Critchley having bedded in a little bit? Charlie, do you want to go first? Because I could do like half an hour. <laughs> I actually feel like, on the contrary to what David mentioned at the start, I actually feel like I'm the heartbreak for me is over. I'm actually I'm I'm past the the withdrawal symptom stage. I'm actually at the point where for me, as soon as like the the Rangers kind of talks came about, and I think we were all of the opinion that he's going to go, and I was just to the point where I, I just fed up of throwing the whole club into a phase of uncertainty, the squad, all these players that he's got to buy mm-hmm. in. You can't have you can't have that turmoil around any time that some form of job that Mr. Beer wants to chuck his presentation to a club in, you know, it, it it's just not healthy. And um for me it was just let's just, you know, move on from this chapter, get someone that wants to be at the club. Um, and, and try and rebuild from there because it was always going to come, you know, we we all bought into this ambition that he stated at the start of the season and thought that in some ways this ambition would kind of almost be embodied into what he wanted to do at QPR and the QPR be a product of what he wants to achieve. But obviously his individual his individual goals got the better of him. And yeah, for me, I think he, he's better off away from the club and I'm kind of just happy just to to, to move on in a separate direction. Before Clive comes in, I'll have my say because I feel that I might be able to go Clive's shopping, ha- ha- <laughs> have, have, a, have a bath and take the dog for a dander before the time Clive finishes about Bill. So I'll just have my quick two pennies worth. Um, I think, he's a, I think he's, a, he's, a, he's a fraud in a lot of ways. Not as a coach. I think he's a decent coach. I don't think, you know, from what we've seen and what he'll do and what, where he's been, you have to say that. But the way he took the fans for fools is annoying. Um, I think if you believe in what you hear sometimes he made it known to the club that he was turning down rules but if Rangers came in for him he will go and that's pretty weird um, but also he, he broke a lot of rules going to um, the Aberdeen game when Rangers played them when Rangers had a manager I would have thought as a manager is a big 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 no no you don't do that it's disrespectful it's disrespectful to Queen's Park Rangers it's disrespectful to the Scottish lot it's just Absolutely disrespectful, and no one should do it, in my humble opinion. And the going managers go to games the whole time. That's not the disrespectful bit. The disrespectful bit was plastering it for content all over your social media. 
Well, exactly. Making, you, making it known that he was there. That's exactly. And, and that's sat, the thing. sat next to the director of football, wasn't it? At Rangers yeah, as well. exactly. I mean, if you, are, if, if you are going to go and you know the manager's on the pressure, which he was, then you would decline the invitation of the board around you and maybe sit with near the fans on your own with your family, whatever. They did, to do what he does was not just a job application. This is incoming. That's what he was saying. I am incoming. And while he's manager at QPR, that was wrong. Very, very wrong. And yeah, we're... Whatever he could have done at QPR, whatever he could have achieved is now null and void because I don't want the likes of him ever at the club again because don't take us for fools. We're not fools and you don't have to take QPR fans or anyone for fools. I don't care if a manager uses us as a stepping stone for their own career as long as we do well. That's brilliant because the main thing is that we do well and we survive. But he took us for fools and that's unforgivable and he's took football for fools and the owners and everyone else and uh, he's a snake basically and someone who has the moral compass of it compass of a snake as well and just someone I wouldn't trust with a hamster. Carry just quickly, on. Before Clive comes in, I just want to say the one thing actually that I am a little bit bitter about is just the the circumstances that it's left like uh, Powell, Laird, probably Iribunum, like those younger players that have bought into to Beal's project and just been thrown completely in the dark. I think they're the ones that I feel sorry for. Maybe it's a I, 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 I sympathise for the situation that that Beals put him in, well, Beals mm. put them in, but um, but apart from that... I don't see what he's put the club in, Charlie, as well. Yeah, of course, of course, but yeah, I think we'll, we can recover in terms of with new direction, but I think those players are, will take time to almost find their feet again in terms of the reason that they're at the club and, and what they thought they were being sold. And I think that can be very different if a manager comes in and in that period of transition, again, if they don't find their feet under the new manager, they could then be left out in the dark. And it's kind of that period. If they don't adjust right kind of from the off and it's still a little bit almost drunk or hung over from it, then I think that's where they could get themselves in a little bit of trouble. But hopefully as we saw um, on Saturday, um, hopefully that won't be the case. I mean, Paul, Paul Laird and Clark Salter all had better offers in the summer yeah. than QPR and came to work with that guy who who walked away. The other thing about the Aberdeen, in addition to everything Finney said, which I agree with, I'd print that out if you like, mate, um, <laughs> was that we'd, we'd, played, um, we'd played Friday night that week, which was why he was free on the Saturday. He could have gone and watched Huddersfield or West Brom that weekend, who we were playing next and subsequently got beaten by, but he chose to go and pumps about in the director's box and put it on. So that told you straight away where his priorities and loyalties lay. I think in the end, the reason he turned that Wolves job down was because he'd been, he'd, he knew that Rangers job was coming up. Um, I think we've had, I think we've, he'll go on and maybe be a brilliant coach, right? And he might win things at Rangers and, and get better jobs. And we'll always look back and think, well, what could have been, what could have been, I actually think we've had a lucky escape because I think from the moment he walked in here and sort of realised quite how tight the finances are and the situation and the job here, he was basically looking to leave. He was going for jobs. He was going for jobs, not jobs coming after him. He was going for jobs as early as four or five games into the season. Wolves was definitely not the first. Um, he came out and said that he hadn't spoken to Wolves. He spoke with them twice. It was it was him that went chasing that job. It wasn't them that came after it. That's a lie. Even now at Glasgow Rangers, when he's made himself look bad, like the national media were laughing at him for a week about his honesty and integrity thing, and then he ups to Glasgow Rangers, he still sits in press conferences now and says, this came completely out of the blue. I just, he's one of those compulsive liar types that just cannot open it. So I think we've had a lucky escape, because if it wasn't Stoke or Wolves or Rangers, it just would have been somebody else. It would have been the next Premier League job that came up. I just, so we've had a lucky escape with that. I think he would have just kept lying to us. I mean, everybody in football lies, right? I mean, yeah. it was only a week ago they were saying how well the players had responded to Paul Hall and how up they up they were for the Burnley game. And look, you you saw how that went. So everybody everybody in football lies, right? But to do it that blatantly is just absolutely unreal. And it's it's actually worked out quite nicely because Neil Critchley, who they did want in the summer but were put off by his buyout from Blackpool, is now walking around freely available so that has worked out very very nicely I think if he had gone to Wolves um, when I thought he was going to we would have had Rob Edwards for the same reason because they quite liked him and he was available for free so that Luton game we've got coming up is a weird sliding doors game where 
if Mick Beale and Nathan Jones's departure dates were the other way around, I suspect that Rob Edwards would be the QPR manager and Neil Critchley would be the Luton one. Mm. Ah, good point. I think, really we've good had, I think we've had a lucky touch, to be honest. However well he goes on and does... The, do you know the thing that really I just, I might, I'm just the irrational thing about it is that he was walking around in that soppy tracksuit with his belly hanging over the drawers. <laughs> just look like like sort yourself out. It looks like one of those people you see in the Tesco Metro, like early morning walk of shame stuff. <laughs> and now he's and now he's at Rangers. He's poncing about in a suit because Rangers, you know, is so much. You know, it, we are the people, and it's so much better. Than, <laughs> like just fuck off, mate. Honestly. I agree with Clive. I think <laughs> I, not only do I think we have this a This is a very agreeable day. podcast. <laughs> I, I think Michael Beale might be a poor man's Neil Critchley. And obviously I have sort of, I've got bias with that and I want it to work. There is a feeling deep down that it's going to work really well and that Michael Beale may come a cropper at some point. But on based on evidence of their managerial career so far, Neil Critchley has had success in a very short managerial career and Michael Beale was new. So I just wonder if we've sort of got an upgrade. I think I've got mixed feelings about it because obviously I don't like any manager talking the way he did and then contradicting himself. At the same time, he did a really good job here. We got good value out of someone for a few months and in, in, in purely in terms of the job he did, he didn't owe us anything. He left us in a much better state than he joined. So goodbye. He loves himself too much. He will definitely do the same to Rangers and or other clubs in the future. He's too in love with himself. He's too in love with his own image. He's a brilliant PR person and I'm a PR person and I can I recognize one when I see one he knows how to play all the games so I agree with Clive goodbye I think this guy could be really really good and promising so maybe you come out of it well the two really good things about uh, Critchley are not only like you say did he have success at Blackpool but he did that on next to no money at all yeah Yeah, they spent Mm. I think over the course of his time there they spent two million pounds um, on five players so they were all small fees uh, and they made that back and more with bowler so he actually operated at a profit he got the best out of poor players he made Gary Medine look like a championship centre forward so you know there's plenty of hope for Lyndon Dykes yet he was <laughs> he was free and available and also he's done he's done very well not to mention this too often but he has worked with Mick Beale before they do know each other they are yeah, they met up in the summer. He does well not to mention that, but you would think a conversation has taken place at some point about what he's inheriting here. Beale seemed possibly buck-passing and trying to sort of shift some early blame elsewhere, seemed to sort of suggest that the finances were worse here than he had been led to believe. Critchley won't have that excuse because he'll have spoken to Beale. So it, yeah. On the off chance that anything was kept for Bill, and I very much doubt it was, but on the off chance it was, they won't have been able to do that second time around with Critchley. He'll have come in eyes wide open. The fact that he's taken the job on anyway is a really, really good sign. Well, you know, personally, it, it, it goes to what you take out of something. I think, David, got to agree with you now, David, after all the nice things you said to me. It's terrible. This is a terrible podcast. I'm going to call it's you a shocking. David. It's, like, it's going to be off. like the QPR lover that never should have been with three interesting characters. But Neil in the head, it was a PR exercise. He likes himself too much. Um, the whole thing was a sham. He's gone. We move on. And we replaced him with someone who's the complete opposite in PR, but on coaching levels, could be much superior and is good at working with kids. And as Clive said, if you could do that with Medine, what the hell is he going to do with Dykes? That's, that's a great point, Clive. I actually like that. Because... He did make. I mean, when you think of what you'd heard of my LinkedIn, they um they just <laughs> came out of what the Oysters had just left as they were in turmoil, and he he kept them up and gave them a stable position. So yeah, I mean, all he's got to do at QPR is get us as close to the playoffs as possible, win at Fleetwood, yada yada yada, and we'll think he's good. Uh, uh, just say one more thing, which obviously won't be the last thing on Mick Bill, because you'll get at least eight more months out of this Mick Bill discussion on this podcast, I'm sure. But We're still talking about Paul Hart, for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mick Bill, even I'm doing it, Mick Bill. You see, his, that's, that's his just own, in your own head. Yeah, I know. Um, good coach, bad person. 
right? I like that. We don't need that at QPR. All the terrible periods in our history, in our recent history, we've had good footballers who are bad people. We've had good managers who are bad people. You can put your own names next to that. That's when it all goes wrong. And generally, the last couple of years, that's flipped around a bit. We don't need like people like that. We seem to have a squad of generally good eggs, and that's why there's a good feeling about it. The club seems to, whatever your opinion is on the decisions of Lee Hughes, Les Ferdinand, they feel like good people that want to do good things for the club. He was a good coach, bad person. We are better off without him. Okay, here's a here's a point of disagreement then at last. On the on the good eggs thing, I was going to raise this earlier when we were talking about how bad Burnley was, how bad how the bad the Burnley game was. I know Burnley are the best team in the league and everything. But you look at our performance in that game and against Coventry. And then you look at that same group of players go to Preston and play like they did. Does it twig anything in any of your minds? Does it embitter you towards the players a little bit that they can do it it is there within them if they want it to be there I'm I'm, I'm not saying that you're going to play well every week but the difference between that Burnley game and that Preston game was so stark they just didn't look arsed against Burnley to me and then they come out on Saturday in Preston and certainly in that first half they were popping it about they were tackling they were kicking people Dykes was roughing people up they were posing a goal threat the biggest problem I had with the Burnley game is we didn't even kick anyone. Like we didn't tackle, we didn't run. This group of players can do it, and yet Coventry away, like we st- we wouldn't have scored if we were still there now. Burnley at home, that could have been five six nil the way that game panned out. And then Preston, oh, we got a new manager in. Bang, off we go again. I I just it was it was the, it was, so the, it was the very it was the very tiny cloud to the massive silver lining of Saturday. I just came away thinking it was a little bit sort of you know that period when Chelsea had all those players that said that they loved Chelsea so much and you know bled the club and would never do anything to hurt Chelsea. But if as soon as a manager came in that threatened to get rid of any of them, they downed tools for a couple of weeks and were quite happy to see Chelsea lose five or six games in a row to get rid of them. It just it just rang and it's just a slightly unpleasant tone on my long journey back down the M6, but only only very slightly. I was mostly very happy. Can I just say something on that? And then I'll bring David in. Sorry, David, and then Charlie, because you know I'm hosted. I can do it. I want David did it for years. I'm doing it now. It's great. I that love Mars. So, yeah, Forrest gone to my head, but little is left on top of it. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know, Clive. I think it's a lot of it is if you think as fans, we were completely confused and bewildered. And directionless with a whole scenario of is he gone? No, he's not. Ah, feck, we knew he was going to do this. Ah, bollocks, he's gone. Right. And I think the players probably felt like you made a great point, Clive, where you said certain players had come to us where they wouldn't have gone anywhere else. And then he's gone. And they're kind of like, shit, this wasn't supposed, this wasn't in the memo, this wasn't in the script. I'm kind of thinking it, it and then it needed someone to come in, pull everyone together and just get focused. I just think it was a lack of focus, a little bit of bewilderment. I don't think it reflects on the players. It reflects on the the shit we were left in, to be fair. David? It was so cold. (laughs) What? It was so cold, that Burnley game. It wasn't wasn't much more in Preston, let me tell you. I (laughs) know. I don't know. I think you can overread these things. I don't want to compare QPR to Argentina, but I will. Argentina put in a terrible performance against Saudi Arabia in the first game of the World Cup and then ended up winning it and being brilliant and making everybody very happy. They were just a bit underprepared. Under, sorry? Best you put a bet on them after the Saudi Arabia match. Carry on. No. I, I, I don't know is the answer to your question, Clive, but I'm prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt that they were a bit underprepared, a bit undercooked, bit um, lacking, you know, bit disillusioned with the manager's situation. And then they probably got to Preston and thought, we've got to fix this. And if that's the case, then that's a good attitude from good eggs rather than the other way around. Mm, Charlie? I agree. I agree, David. I think... I think as well, I think in that Burnley game, you've almost got an element. I think the players probably felt a bit sorry for themselves. I think they've got a, a, a moment of uncertainty. I think that's a word I've, I've beckoned on all night about, but I think it epitomises the situation. And then you've got someone that comes in and, and gives direction. And I think direction is so key in, in football. I mean, in any facet of life, but especially in that circumstance where you've got people that feel lost in terms of where they wanted to go, where we all thought we were going. 
and you've got a man that's experienced, um, has had success before, and probably to some somewhat respected. Um, and he's come in, laid down, laid down the road, and and said what he what he expects. And I think when that comes from the manager that's installed for for three and a half years, albeit length of contracts mean nothing, apart from you know a, a temporary coach that the players know that give it a week or a couple of weeks, he won't be the man in charge. I think that's just sometimes the nature of football uh, in those periods of transition between between managers. And I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you can't read between the lines too much that one. And Burnley, no. we should have had a penalty. Agreed. Oh God, without a shadow of a doubt. But it was. It, it, I hate it when commentators say it's too early. No, it's not. If someone's taken down in the box and hacked, whether it's the first minute or last minute, it's a freaking penalty. It's one of them things that winds me up. Oh, it's too early for a penalty. No, it's not. You gobshites. It was a stormwall penalty. I've ever seen one. And Tim Sherwood would have called for sending off a penalty and possibly points deductions from that sort of thing. I tell you. Now we're moving into Christmas, as we all know. Clive, I need to ask you a question because I haven't really been paying attention of late because life and everything else and because I lost a quiz to David Fraser. No, I'm not going to go to Turkey and get my hair done. <laughs> well, if you're channeling a bit of um, Mark Warburton, <laughs> I like it. I, 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 wish I, I wish I had Mark Warburton's money, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, anyway, going back to the serious issue of questions from the host. Now, I was thinking... <laughs> about the looting game, six o'clock, <laughs> in between Christmas, the pubs are open. What could possibly go wrong? How many tickets are we giving them for the chance of a potential riot? Uh, they did bring this up at the fans' forum, didn't they? They said that Luton had had both tiers last year and would not be getting it ever again, you know, as long as the yeah earth goes around the moon or whatever. Uh, moon goes around the earth. But yeah, no, uh, like limited, top tier after last year. Um, yeah. Limited, limited allocation, not really looking forward to that. No, because I went to the, obviously, the match at Luton, and that was, it's never nice at Luton, let's be honest, it's never, they don't seem to embrace us very well, and we don't seem to embrace them, so playing it at six o'clock in between Christmas when the pubs are open, excellent. Nothing can possibly go wrong, and I wish the Metropolitan Police the best for that one. But how do we see, and I'm going to start off with Charlie in this one, how do we see Christmas and the new year and the next transfer window going? And um, yeah, what, what do you, what do you want in store for Christmas and the New Year for Rangers? Cardiff, Boxing Day. Um, God, all the days are everywhere at the moment. But yeah, David loves Cardiff, that game. Yeah, Cardiff Boxing Day. Um, I think the players will be well up for it again. There's direction. There's going to be desire. There's going to be that commitment. There's going to be that almost that belief that's been installed from. From Saturday, um, and anything's possible. I think it's it's very much a winnable game. January transfer window. Um, I'd be very surprised if anyone came in. To be honest, I think you'd be pushed for a loan, uh, maybe a loan signing. Um, yeah, a free transfer. Who knows? But yeah, that transfer window. Um, I've not got high hopes. Let's let's put it that way. David, what's family going to be like at your Christmas this year with Cardiff and Boxing Day? Yes, my father-in-law's a lifelong Cardiff fan. I think we'll wallop them. They're dreadful. Um, I'm hoping that anyway. Clive, I'm sure, will we'll do a whole 10-point listicle about how we definitely won't be. No, I, say, I think we're going to win at Cardiff, which is the reason we won't. But I think, we'll, I think we'll, if we play like we played on Saturday, we'll win at Cardiff, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think we'll get six points out of nine over those three games. I'll take that. I mean, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I hope so. I mean, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah they're, can... they're quite spaced out, aren't they? For a Christmas schedule, mm, yeah. it's not too packed because there's a game Boxing Day in the 29th and then in the evening on the 2nd. So they're not like 48 hours between games, so they can't really blame fatigue. Hopefully, we'll now have a bit of momentum, particularly we're playing Cardiff next, which on paper should be a good game to play after you know winning on the weekend. So I'm confident. Maybe... maybe I don't know. I'm not too sure about the Sheffield United game, but I'd like to think six points. Well, we'll take that. Clive. Win, uh, win, draw, loss in that order. And January really depends on if any of the loans go back or get recalled. Um, that would clear budget to to maybe do something. Um, they tried to pay up um, Macaulay Bond at the end of the last transfer window which they thought would have cleared some money to bring in Jamal Lowe from Bournemouth. 
given that Bolden hasn't really been involved, maybe that will get rekindled. But again, only alone. I don't think there's any money to really do um, do anything in January. Um, and I'm already seeing Twitter threads about which striker would you sign and what. Oh, God, I've seen that. Pipe dream, yeah. pipe, just pipe dream, guys. Like just, you know. I've said it so many times that it just I just get bored of it. But the, the the financial situation isn't there to be to be going out and doing much other than well, if Man United recall Laird, then you might go and get another right back on loan from someone, or you know it, that'll be the extent of it, I would think. But Macaulay Bourne isn't going to make it anywhere, is it? Let's be honest, and that's why we're not going to get rid of him. Well, they nearly they they reached an agreement to pay him up at the end of the last transfer window like a lump sum amount that's slightly less than what he was owed. And then at the last minute, I think his agent turned around, realised that the club needed rid of him to get Jamal Lowe in and basically said, no, he's not going. We want we want the full amount. And QPR, I think literally in that uh, circumstance, told him to go fuck himself, as I understand it. Um, so I'm surprised he's as close to the team as he's been, to be honest. But yeah, um, so th- maybe that'll maybe that'll be rekindled. But I can't see anything anything more than that, really. I mean, if Ipswich don't want him and... Children in one of them. Mm. Not seeing that one move. Sad, Luke. We do need someone to come in. David. What? What are you asking me about? Macaulay I've Bond. just done it, haven't I? Didn't I just yes, talk yes. about the Christmas games? Yeah, and I'm talking about Macaulay Bond. Are you in agreement that he's not going to yeah, Jesus. I mean, we you keep forgetting this podcast, doesn't it? Sorry, I thought we were still talking about the Christmas games. No, no, of course, he's not going to make it. He would have made it by now if that was the case. And you can also put Shadipo on that list as well. So, uh, I, I like the guy fast, yes, but too old and not played enough and done anything. So, now you can now surmise it's not going to happen. Leaves us very short up front, but I agree. I don't know what we're going to do. I know I do try and keep away from QPR social media, as in like community QPR community social media. But from what I can see, every, like there is a big clamour for the obvious one that shouldn't happen, won't happen, which is Charlie Austin now being available. Um, mm. I don't. <laughs> Apart from spending a whole lot of money that we don't have, I can't see why that would be a good idea. You once, twice, three times in Austin. Mm. Interesting. The re- I did forget to ask myself, David, but the, you know, this is this is what happens. You leave a podcast, you put an idiot in charge, you get an idiot hosting it. What do um, you think, Paul? What do you think about McCoy? Thank God for that. I didn't want to I didn't want to be the third person in that conversation. Um <laughs> I, I I like the idea of uh I'll take six points I'll take anything at the moment because I think we're still in transition we're always in transition in fact we should be called Queen's Park Rangers permanently transition you know that sort of rolls off the phone that catchy catchy I'm not trying to work into the trademark that Paul trademark it didn't work because I forgot what I was saying halfway through and it came out like a whole (laughs) load of shakes that's Um, how they came up with the last badge yeah I mean my my, (laughs) No, 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 that was an acid tab too far, that last badge. Um, I think we will do our obvious thing. And we, do you know what? My head's telling me, right, we'll win the next three matches and lose to Fleetwood because that is what QPR do. Um, <laughs> so that would not surprise me. But, yeah, I'll take, I'll take six points. I'll take anything as long as we have the direction and we're going. And I want the fans to get back to how it was when we were doing okay, even when we're not doing okay. No, it sounds ridiculous. Because I think there's nothing like Loftus Road when it's kind of three quarters full, nearly full, and everyone's and the, the, you know we're all praising the safe standing. And Burnley was a little bit ugh. So let's get it back to how it was because it was rock and it was good, and we can make a difference. And you know if 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 people like Bill come and go, we'll always be here. We have to we have to carry the flag as it were. So I'd like to beat them. I'd I'd like to beat Fleetwood as well. Now I want a cup run. I really really want a cup run. I'll take that above a striker any day of the week. I just want a freaking cup run. Am I am I mad? Can we do it? Yes, no. Yes, you're Fleet, mad, no. Fleetwood, um, go on. Oh, sorry. I was gonna, you were going to do a Fleetwood thing, sorry. No, no, we do it for next one. I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself there. You just, should know this is no substance. You host it long enough. Carry on. Well, I don't... Because I'm not hosting, I don't know exactly when you're going to finish the podcast. So I'm going to say the thing I wanted to ask before it finishes. And 
Well, I Finney, don't know it is 8.30. It is 8.30. And oh, you get, you, you the Traitors is on at 9. Call so, the call the hours end. Call it. Hey, hey, I can't hey, miss the Traitors. So let's... Is that a link to Billigan? To what? To Michael Beligan, the tree. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, no, actually, that's not bad. Right. Um, can gonna... we get a consensus on what we call our number 10, please? Because the BBC commentary okay. on the World Cup called a man who I previously knew as Ilias Chair, something like Ilias Shayu. Shayer. What? Shayer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so he he, no. changed, he changes it depending on whether he's speaking English or French. They have asked him about this and he quite likes the Ilias Chair thing in English. He sort of Okay. So, so we can call him Chair. He well he, if you ring the box office and get put on hold, which does happen when you uh, ring the box office. He oh, yes. Comes, he comes on and says hello, it's Ilias the smallest chair in West London or something. So he goes, yes, he does. Well, I he says uh, it's Ilias chair, the smallest chair at the club, but I don't think he wrote that line, Clive. I think we'll maybe say that, for him. I don't think we would have forced him into I know <laughs> what they're doing tor- under threat of torture or whatever. I mean it's... Okay, so we can call him chair. Good. That that's that's all I wanted to say. And I know everyone I hope everyone is and doesn't dismiss what he has achieved as well. He only played a half at the World Cup. It's a brilliant, brilliant achievement, and we should be really, really proud. Well, what a journey. And Senny, but and Senny, both of them to represent their countries in the World Cup to be amongst the you know, the the cream of the world's players is brilliant. And for him to be part of a squad that reached the World Cup semi-final is a brilliant reflection on him and brilliant reflection on the club. And hopefully it gives him amazing confidence to sort of come back. And I don't know if he'll be playing Boxing Day or not, but like come back and just kill the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. He, did, he, did get the, he did get the telly a lot for somebody who wasn't playing. I'll give him that. Clever. He was there, Connor Cody, wasn't he? You know how, like, Connor Cody's just in the England squad for banter? I'm not saying Ilias Chair was, but he is definitely the guy they put forward for, like, banter and atmosphere. He does a lot of little mascot, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, but he did well. And what a journey they had as well. There's, there's hope for everyone. There's even hope for Northern Ireland. Second bingo card played. Thank you. <laughs> well done. Um, it's been a while since 1986, and we miss the World Cup. We really do. Right. I'm going to go on to the Oz end now because I feel that David's sort of getting a wee bit itchy in his chair or he's either... Oh, he's I thought that was David's Oz end. That was my Oz end. <laughs> okay, okay. And I need to know if Kieran becomes one of the traitors or not. So... I don't even know who Kieran is, but I hope for you... People will know. People will know. Okay, well, listen... That was your Oz end. I just thought you were having a wee bit of a rant about idiots, chair and, and surnames. But if that was, that was your Oz end. Excellent. Ah, drop the phone again. Uh, Charlie, I'd actually like Clive to please kind of recite the uh, analogy he made of Shadipo in his in his match <laughs> report. That was absolutely breathtaking. Wait, so we, which one? The one with the uh, the every manager tries it, like two Yeah, and then about the cigarettes. Yeah, I was just yeah. I every manager, every manager tries Mido Shadipo when it when they first start out, and most of them decide it's a really silly thing to do. But every now and again, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank gets hooked onto twenty five Mido Shadipos a day. That's that, 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 is, that, is, that is what happens, isn't it? And it was it was it was the stained teeth and the. Uh... <laughs> well, I'm not saying Mido does that to you, but yeah, I, I just chucked chuck that in because I don't like fags, you know. So. Oh, that wasn't awkward at all. Um, <laughs> so I recommend if you haven't done already, go read the go read the report. And I apologise for that Margaret Thatcher line, by the way. I don't know really what I was thinking with that, but uh, yeah, good job my mum doesn't read those. Maybe it was because of all the strikes. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Charlie, is that it? Yeah, that was it for me. Yeah, thanks anyway. Interesting. Okay. No problem. Two. Well, it was more of a plug for Clive, but yeah. Two. One uh, good. That, that, one good. One bad. Up. One good. One bad for me. Actually, uh, actually, no. I, I'll say one quickly. Actually, sorry. Very I'm quickly. Please turn into me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I've just realised we've gone this whole podcast and we've literally barely mentioned Tim. He was absolutely astounding yeah, on yeah. Saturday. Good point. And um, 19 years old, first real season, almost playing professional football, and he's taken it to. Oh God, he's he's taking it so it made it look so easy, uh, and I think he's going to be an astounding talent that will be performing at the the upper echelons of football. I think he really has it all. Um, so yeah, hopefully he can just keep it going. Hopefully we can get a full season out of him because he's special. 
They I seem, agree. They seem keen for him to stay as opposed to there's like rumours about Laird. But yeah. despite Beal going back, they seem quite keen for Tim to stay where he is, which would be a good thing because he's a midfielder that gets forward, which we don't have a lot of. Mm. I mean, that's more because of Wan-Bissaka's wish going to Wolves, isn't he? And then yeah, any yeah. cover for, for Dallow. So, yeah. But hopefully we can keep them both. Hopefully. Great player, though. Good point, though, Charlie. Well said. Mm. Well pointed sounded out. almost uh, talking down pity on me there, Finney. <laughs> so patronising. <laughs> yeah, that, that was patronising. <laughs> well, no, Charlie. Pat on the head. Yeah. With a face like this, I patronise nobody or look down. As my mother said, only look down on people when you're helping them off the ground. Clive, are you finished? Ask me on the podcast next time. Yeah, no, carry on. <laughs> I didn't oh, hear no, that. You've, been, you've been you've been on this podcast too long, Charlie. When you're saying carry on, you need a little you need a little Ilias chair break. As we done for four weeks. Charlie, have you finished? I don't mean that in the patronising way or aggressive way or a passive aggressive way. That's very kind of you, Finney. Almost out of character. But yeah, you carry on. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Let Clive speak. Let Clive speak. Bad, bad, bad R's end. Uh, Keith Stroud for Cardiff and Gavin Ward for Luton. I think that's as as bad as refereeing appointments get for our Christmas. That's particularly cool. Uh, in better news, I watched our under-18s play Tottenham last night through the most excellent recast service that we all love very dearly. And <laughs> my God, it's actually an under-18s QPR team that knows what they're doing and looks like it's got prospects. And, you know, as a Category 2 academy, to go away to a Category 1 academy like that, outplay them. I know it went to extra time, but that was only because the Tottenham goalkeeper played so well, who incidentally they also nicked out of the QPR academy. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so I'd, I was... Very encouraged by that because I know there's all sorts of horror stories do the rounds about results that our youth teams are getting and 15 nil defeats and things like this. So to to actually sit and watch them last night, I thought they were superb. The guy playing up front, uh, Rayan Coley, Coley, I just, he looks sort of nearly ready already. He's got more hair than I've ever grown in my entire life. And I just thought he was absolutely superb up front last night. Teddy Lawrence, the, the winger that scored a couple of goals, was great. There's a lad in midfield who's about half the height of Ilias Chair. Shannon Brown is the smallest thing I've ever seen. I thought he was really good. To go and get that result at Tottenham last night and play as they did, I just thought that was excellent. So I'll be looking out for them in the next round against Luton. And hopefully we might have not just one, but three or four coming through from that, as long as Tottenham don't just turn up and poach them all now. Well, it's good because they have had some horror results and... I think we've got a new coach, haven't we? This come in, this this and doing things. So yeah, listen, youth team with winning things is only ever good because I've always said it. Results do matter, no matter what you think. And I think we're always getting battered in the FA Cup, the youth FA Cup. So that was a great result, and um, yeah, and well done to people who went there as well because I got reports from Steve Russell that we were playing brilliantly. So that's a really good point, Clive. Clive, is there anything else you'd like to add? Is there any? programs you're going to be on over Christmas are you on Strictly or anything like that with your QPR uh, no but I'm not I'm not watching the traitors I'm going to go to bed with my book what are you reading too cool for school I'm actually reading something by A.A. A. Gill about reviewing restaurants and I'm it's one of those books where I'm not really getting on with it but I want to finish it um, yeah there you go that's an, an insight into just how exciting and sort of sexually charged my Christmas is by the way, I've realised that I may have given a slight spoiler for people who are not up to date on the traitors. And let's face it, this podcast has no editing, so I've done it now. I, I'm <laughs> done. <laughs> Is it the, 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 David, you might get someone hitting you now. Don't come in here for yeah. a shame. He's, he's only on. <laughs> he's only on episode three. He's gone fucking. No, it's not too bad a, a spoiler. I, I don't know. I've never watched it. I probably won't watch it. Um, I literally finished the wire ten years after one else. So, no worries. I'll come back in ten years and let you know if you ruined it for me. Well, there's a, um, you know what, a nice a nice thought might be that if Mick Beale really is so egotistical that he's ch- still tuning in to sort of find out what we're all saying about him, which I wouldn't put past him. Maybe you've spoiled it for him, which would be great. Yeah, exactly, Creator. Um, right, my hours end is quite sad as. It's been a terrible week. Um, there was a fellow, Ian McCulloch, who used to come on the podcast and a friend of mine, um, introduced me to a fellow called Aidan McBeerity a wee while ago and we took a couple of away games together and we had a good crack and me, him and Cindy and his son, Liam, went to Norwich and we had an absolute blast of a day. Um, and he died 
last week. And that's just unbelievable. So one of them things, it's just shooting happen. And I read Ian's post and I, I can only say to Ian, I'm really sorry. Um, yes, he's grew up with him. He's gone to QPR with him all his life and he's not here anymore. And he was a lovely fella and we had a great time. And it's just a real shame I didn't get to know him more and spend more way there than we did the other week because that noise trip will live me for a long time. So um, to Eden's family, I know his son listens to the podcast. I don't expect you to listen to it now. They may be in a wee well. And um, I'm sorry for your loss. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. And yeah, and also a hero of mine died this week in Terry Hall. I know people talk about people and they talk about things that make difference. I don't think people realise the difference that Terry Hall made to people's lives in the 80s and that whole time, you know, he wasn't just a rude boy. He wasn't a man at CNA. He wasn't a stereotype. He went too young and it was much too young. And for anyone who's a fan of the specials, they'll get what I just said. So rest in peace, Terry. Rest in peace, Eden. And um, for anyone this Christmas who's missing someone at the table, yeah, I get that. It's horrible. And um, it's a bit shit. And I'm sorry for that. My happy hours end, which is my third one, is... I'm one to beat Cardiff. Now, the thing about Cardiff is everyone seems to like Cardiff at times. I've never liked Cardiff. I can't stand them. Don't give me your rubber den, Shaw. Don't give me your flipping changing the shirt to red and changing it back to blue. I always hit at them. I always hit at Luton because it's Luton and I can't stand them. So if we're going to win two games over Christmas, I want it to be Luton and Cardiff so bad it hurts. And I'm sorry to say that, but please, please, please beat them bastards. That's the last of my R's end. Finney's R's end haven't got any shorter since I've been gone then. Fucking her has. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there anything else, Clive, you'd like to say? No, you end the show now, remember? So. Is, that, is that why you put your hand in the air like some kind of editor? I was, I was, no, it's was cheering. Oh, Thank you for okay. having me on and um, Merry Christmas, everyone. No, one thing I will say, one thing I'll end it with is people who listen to this podcast, people who tune in week in, week out, you are appreciated. You are loved. And thank you for keep supporting this podcast. We appreciate it. And have a great Christmas. Come on, yours. Please, 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 please beat Cardiff and Luton. I freaking hit them. Please win. Don't lose. It would be awful. Thank you. 